0: are we talking in terms of say planning for today or tomorrow or is time management involved a a larger time frame if if you're doing it right
1: yeah so it depends upon where you are at in your life and what role you're playing in your job in your life so some people don't necessarily need to do long-term planning because they are just living day to day and they don't have like you know say you're retired you may not have to like plan a year ahead because there's nothing that is going to affect your life if you do or don't plan a year ahead so maybe it's like just planning from the day to day if you're an inventor you're a creator it's difficult to figure out when that spark of invention is going to come or how
0: Welcome to Rejuvenating with Dr. Ron Kaiser. This is the podcast designed to help you live your life enthusiastically today, tomorrow, and every other day. I am your host, Ron Kaiser. I'm a positive health psychologist and also a keynote and TEDx talker and author of the award-winning and best-selling book, Rejuvenating the Art and Science of Growing Older with Enthusiasm. My website is The Mental Health Gym. It's your source of all sorts of information regarding positive psychology, my own spin on it, which I call goal-achieving psychology, general wellness, and rejuvenating, and lots of other stuff in the positive area we hope that you'll visit frequently. Listeners to the podcast are well aware that most of our podcasts feature guests who lead their lives enthusiastically and have something special to contribute to help us lead our lives with greater enthusiasm, greater happiness, greater productivity, and ultimately leading to a greater sense of wellness. And today's guest is very special and provides us with some additional information along those lines. It's a real thrill and pleasure to have Trevor Lawbeer with us. Trevor is a serial entrepreneur whose mission is to help others live more fulfilling lives by reaching their potential. His superpower is creating mental models or frameworks that help people reason about the world to solve their problems. Most recently, he has been applying this skill in domains of time management and mindful productivity. Previously, he created strategic life tools to help people with life planning, and lean decisions to help people make better decisions. One of the really interesting things about Trevor is that he lives part-time in Asheville, North Carolina, and part-time in Berlin, Germany. Uh, Don't know too many people who do that, but, and we'll find out a little more about that too, but that won't be our major emphasis. So Trevor, welcome to Rejuvenating with Dr. Ron Kaiser. I'm so glad that uh, you're here with us and so glad to learn what you have to tell us uh, about the areas in which you focus.
1: Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here.
0: Well, Trevor, you describe yourself as a serial entrepreneur. I guess a lot of entrepreneurs... Uh, do more than than one thing over the course of the time. But in general, what are some of the areas uh, and or businesses that you've uh, worked in over time?
1: Yeah, so my first startup was a a homepage add-on service back in the 90s. Won't go too much into that. Then I created a social uh, network for professionals. So it was like LinkedIn, but we raised money and went out of business before LinkedIn started. And then my third startup was a data visualization startup uh, using this specific technique called heat maps and tree maps that we created some innovations in that space. And then I sold that in 2015 to start my current one.
0: Great. Uh, and I think just by what you're saying, I guess it's pretty typical for entrepreneurs to not always be successful uh, in, in every venture that they try, but the, the power to persevere is undoubtedly one of the real skills that's, uh, that's needed to be, to be successful. Uh, It appears your focus nowadays is on time management and lifestyle management. Uh, How did you get into that? your journey lead you there? So after I
1: sold my last business, uh, I sold it to a company that was helping Amazon sellers sell more stuff on Amazon, managing their software processes for that. And I decided that that wasn't super fulfilling, helping businesses make more profit. I really want to focus on people fulfilling themselves more. So I launched. I decided I was going to start a startup around helping people develop better life planning, and I did that. It was a content-based site called Strategic Life Tools that I've since made free that helps people develop life plans. Like, where are you in five years? Where are you today? How do I get from here to there? How do I make adjustments to my life? That turned out to be not the business I wanted to run, though. People tend to do life planning at cusp events. They just you know, graduate. They just retire. They just change jobs. So it became a one-off sale, which is what my last business was, and that's a very brutal business model. So I wanted a subscription model where I could provide value to people on an ongoing basis and then charge them monthly. People running into, in this program, were running into time management issues, and I developed this technique 10 years ago, the specific technique for planning your day. So I taught them that, created a little mini course out of that, and then that eventually decided that was going to be
0: the real business and pivoted into that. Well, that's really, really interesting. And I guess I'm wondering, is is time management something that people tend to be good at generally, or is it something you can learn for those of us who, who you know seem to always run out of time before we run out of things to do are are there general principles that can be taught?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think, At the very highest level is just creating mindfulness around time and doing things deliberately rather than impulsively get to time management. And then there's a whole slew of different techniques that can help you improve your time management. But a lot of it is around creating awareness or creating structure in your day that gives you that awareness so that way you are choosing what to
0: do, not reacting. Well, I would think that's – kind of a real challenge for a lot of people because they go through their day and certain things are assigned to them. If they're working, uh, you know, when they were in school, they had particular classes or things due or so on. Uh, Does it require much of a mindset shift? You know, if you're either an entrepreneur working on your own or if you're a retired person or somebody who has some flexibility with the way that you can arrange your time, you know, is is it a mindset shift or is it something that, that, that if you know the techniques early, just like, I guess, money management, if you would learn it in school, uh, you can be pretty good about it, but very few people learn it in school.
1: Yeah, I would say it's both. One, you need to have the mindset that you can control it, which a lot of people don't necessarily have that mindset. And you need then skills to help you manage that. You need the... Another useful mindset is to know that you're not going to get everything done on your to-do list unless your to-do list is extremely short. And so accepting that, a lot of people want to believe they can get everything done. And that causes them to do the easy or urgent stuff first instead of the important things because they think, I will get the important stuff done. But if you uh, shift into the mindset that I will never get everything done, there's too much to do in life. I have to choose what is important to me and focus on that first, just that mindset shift, then says, okay, I need to approach my time management from that perspective. And then there's a bunch of skills you can learn to help you do that more effectively. But if you don't have that mindset of, I want to focus on the important stuff and get that done rather than trying to accomplish everything, you're not even
0: gonna attempt good time management. And are we talking in terms of say, Planning for today or tomorrow, or is time management involve a, a larger time frame if if you're doing it right?
1: Yeah, so it depends upon where you are at in your life and what role you're playing in your job and your life. So some people don't necessarily need to do long-term planning because they are just living day to day and they don't have like, you know, say you're retired, you may not have to like plan a year ahead because there's nothing that is going to affect your life if you do or don't plan a year ahead. So maybe it's like just planning from the day to day. If you're an inventor, you're a creator, it's difficult to figure out when that spark of invention is going to come or how long it's going to take to invent something. Like Thomas Edison didn't know how long it was going to take him to invent the light bulb. He just kept working at it. So from that perspective, from an inventor perspective, you need to schedule time to keep working on these problems, but not have this idea that I have this specific goal, I'm going to invent the light bulb by you know, March 23rd. You can't force some of the invention. Moving back to like, say you're a writer. Well, maybe you can then schedule and say I'm going to write X amount per day and eventually get to your goal because you know I'm writing a 200-page book. So if I write one page a day, in 200 days I get it done. And then you go into the larger scale project management. I'm working for a company and I'm trying to do a product launch and there's all these different moving pieces. And that's where you start getting into the project management aspect of time management, where then I need to look at what are all the different pieces, what needs to happen when so I can meet that launch date. And that's a lot lot more complex project management. And that definitely is, I've done this multiple times in the past. I know how long things take. I can schedule all of them out to achieve that end date. And that's, again, a totally different type of time management than the inventor or someone who has complete free time.
0: This is really fascinating. Uh, but I'm, I'm wondering, are there some general principles? I know you've got an entire program which isn't manageable time-wise on this podcast. But are there some general principles that people should be aware of uh, that you can share with us uh, regarding time management?
1: Yeah. So the first one is to actually just take time to stop doing plan. Too many people just keep doing and they don't take the time to step back and say, am I heading in the right direction? Is the approach I'm taking the correct approach? So on a daily, weekly, monthly basis, having these times where you're scheduling time in your day, or or you're just saying, I'm going to stop now and I'm going to evaluate my to-do list, evaluate my approach, just that will help tremendously. So I recommend definitely doing it at the, the monthly and weekly level, but even at the daily level where either the night before or the, in the morning, you get up and you just take 10 minutes to sit down and say, what am I trying to accomplish today? Is this what I need to accomplish? And how, how do I want to approach my day? There's lots of specific techniques on how you can like actually then execute on that, but just scheduling that time. Weekly reviews are great. Monthly reviews, there's lots of techniques like theme days and theme weeks and all sorts of stuff like that, that do it. But the core of it is taking time in your day to deliberately choose what to do. So that would be the first technique I would do. Well, first I'll
0: react to that. And then I'll, I I guess the, uh, one of the challenges at least for somebody like myself uh, is to kind of convince myself that, you know, there's, there's no, like real tangible reward for it. It's not like I can uh, look at it and say that, hey, uh, you know, I got this bill paid or whatever it is. So why should I take time out from paying my bills or from checking emails or things of that nature? And I think that for me, I I know, as I started to learn more about this, that one of the real challenges was to to say, hey, I got this is important to me. The fact that nobody is paying me to write a schedule or that nobody is punishing me if I don't to recognize that I make it much more efficient it's kind of like you know if I uh, plan to be to drive someplace so that I'm there at, at six o'clock and it's getting close to it and I'm running out of gas I can't tell myself why I don't want to stop at the station because and get gas because I've got to be this place at six when I won't be there and I think it's almost kind of like the same kind of thinking. I have to, uh, and all of us kind of have to get in our mind that this is not, you know, just kind of a nice thing to do, but it actually saves us from some of the the other issues that, that may come up.
1: Yeah, exactly. So I think it's it's easy to keep your blinders on. Like if you never track what you're doing or how much you accomplish in a day or do any sort of planning whatsoever, it's easy to just say like, hey, I'm doing fine. And it's sort of like, just like, when you're on a diet and, or you've never tracked your food intake before and you first start tracking everything you eat, you're like, Oh, I'm eating a lot more than I actually thought I was. Mm -hmm. Right. It's the same thing with, with time management is if you don't actually track what you're spending your time on, if you don't ever keep a to-do list or anything like that, you won't know the benefit of doing planning. But once you actually start saying, this is what I did each day, even if you just start with an accomplishment log and say, I'm going to write down every single time I accomplish something each day and that way I'm creating mindfulness of what I do and now start doing it on the days you plan versus the day you don't plan. And you should definitely see a stark difference unless you're some, you might be like one of the exceptions, but in general, you'll see the stark difference where the days where you plan, you'll accomplish a lot more. And the idea of if you can start creating these plans where you're listing things and you get to like scratch things off, that gives you the sense of satisfaction throughout the day that you're accomplishing things, which actually will give you like a little dopamine hit in your brain and help you increase your motivation and increase your focus to do even more. So it becomes a snowball effect.
0: So it becomes rewarding, uh, that, that's really great. Uh, it really becomes rewarding in much the same way as say uh, exercise or eating healthy. Or some, at some point, it sounds like you really start to notice that, hey, this, I, I do better and I accomplish more on the days when I, when I plan for it.
1: Exactly. Yeah. In general, in almost any domain in life, being mindful gives you the ability to improve yourself. If you put blinders on and you don't pay attention to that domain, it's very difficult to improve yourself. Or was it Peter Drucker? You can only manage what you measure. Or I'm getting that quote wrong, but it's true, not just in business, across all of our life. If we're not actually paying attention, it's difficult to improve or do something deliberately.
0: There's there's obviously a reason why mindfulness has become such a big thing lately because it does, it's actually a requirement to to be effective moving forward. So uh, there's a couple of things: the, the notion of taking time to to plan and to um, do your most important tasks early, or at least schedule it in so that that it, they will get done. In general, is uh, prioritizing uh is is that how you you generally do it is it so that the most important ones are early or do you want to ease into the day so that you're you're getting there is is there a general principle in that regard
1: the general principle is that is personal
0: (laughs) so it really depends upon
1: who you are like so some of the new research coming out around circadian rhythms for instance there are like early birds late birds and and they're called midbirds or something like that. But depending upon, you know, it changes your cycle throughout the day of how your energy works and what sort of tasks work best at different times of the day. So, like an early bird, right? Someone who wakes up early, they tend to be best at analytical tasks in the morning and creative tests in the afternoon. And so when you're scheduling out your day, if you've got a lot of tasks where you really need to focus and dive deep into the details, scheduling those in the morning is important. And a lot of times early birds will often say, Hey, do the most important things first. If you're a night owl, however, it may be like, for instance, I'm a night out, I wake up, it's very slow for me to get started. Doing my most important thing first is actually inefficient for me because my brain isn't quite working yet. I haven't got, you know, gotten into gear. I get into my gear later. So I actually will schedule tasks later and make sure that I kind of like take care of like a little administrative stuff in the morning and then dive in. But I schedule them to make sure that I'm doing the important tasks. But aligning the tasks to your circadian rhythm based upon what your energy level is, and the type of brain activity that you need for the task, like analytical versus creative, for instance, is really important to being most effective. And there's a great book by Daniel Pink called When that will talk about when you should be doing different tasks um, based upon your own rhythms.
0: That's very interesting because it, it actually you know flies against some advice that people have been given, that you do this at a certain time, you do your most important things, Right. And as if there is one one right way for everybody. And, you know, you're telling us that that's another thing to be mindful of is what your circadian rhythm is. And uh, when you're most energetic, when you're most thinking analytically, when when you need to ease into things and so on. That's great.
1: Yeah. And I absolutely think that like the advice of trying to do things, most important things first is good advice. Like if you've never tried it, try it, do it because it really can help. And even if you are someone whose circadian rhythm is biased later, we do get distracted by distractions and interruptions that kind of subvert our day. So it can be hard, especially in the beginning if you're not used to saying no to interruptions and really managing your time to ma- put your important stuff later. But I, again, I don't think it's a, it's a, a one size fits all role. I think it really is try it on, see if it fits for you. If it fits great, if it doesn't don't think you're broken just try another technique. You know, my, my classic uh, um, saying that I always say is productivity is personal. Mm-hmm. So figure out
0: what works for you. Great. Why is time management such a such a challenge? Is it that it's something that should have been taught in school and isn't? Uh, is it because we've got different circadian rhythms and, uh, or is it just, you know, there, there are things that, that aren't fun and we, we tend to relegate it to, is there... A reason because there's so many people, including I. I I think I've got a pretty full schedule, but I know people who, uh, who are retired. uh, You know, have all day, and at the end of the day, they'll let me know they didn't accomplish what they planned out to do. You know, or they might say that, uh, yeah, they'll they'll get to me about something, and they just didn't have time. And um, just it, it would seem like you know, it's not like physics or. You know chemistry or something that that should be that complex why is it such a problem
1: um it's a problem for many of the reasons you said it's not necessarily taught there's also a not necessarily awareness around it um, there's many different strategies and the strategies work for differently for different people but also it involves a range of different skills and setups so one you can learn the skills around planning but execution is different from planning and learning how to manage an interruption is an -hmm. important skill, right? And interruptions can be different. Someone calling you on the phone, yeah, you may be learning how to say like, no, I can't talk right now and hang up the phone. But then when, you know, someone important to you comes and knocks on the door and says, hey, do you want to have a quick chat? Or like, hey, can you answer a quick question? Socially, it can be hard for us to say, I'm really deep in this, I can I respond to that later? Can we do it later? Or even just the the, the fact that they interrupted you and developing systems like, you know, I've got this thing of a fly a focus flag where you put on bunny ears or you do something that tells the other person that you're in a focus mode. Don't even come and ask me a question. And some of those go against our culturally ingrained social expectations that we should be able to have these social interactions that can d- derail us from our productivity. And then we're fighting our own internal battles around distraction and, and procrastination. And can we control our own impulses to – Like, oh, this is like a tough task. I don't want to do it. So I distract myself with someone else or I'm just not feeling energetic. And then how do I manage that? Do I go and take a nap? Because right now, like it's better actually if we go and take like a 15, 20 minute nap and come back to the task, I'll be way more efficient than if I try to push through and trudge through it. So learning what works for us, it's a multifaceted problem. We have to manage ourself, manage our social situation, manage, you know, do actual planning. So it's it's non-trivial.
0: That's really, really interesting. Um, and I'm particularly struck by, by the notion of when you're interrupted and so on. I, I, From my own personal experience, I remember that my kind of go-to thing would be to, if, if somebody was bothering me, uh, rather than addressing it directly, I'd be doing some things on my desk. I'd be, you know, hoping that they would take the hint. And I just found that it really works better and doesn't really destroy a relationship if you let somebody know that you know you do have a higher priority at this time and it's not saying anything about them. You mentioned the term procrastination. Is that something that's apart from time management? Is it something that uh, you know some people are procrastinators? Uh, is it something that's more in my psychological ballpark? Uh, is it? You know, again, part of, part of the structure that you teach or what?
1: Yeah, it's not necessarily something that teach, but it does tie into certain techniques that can help limit it. It is a psychological, a lot of it is psychological, but there's techniques to beat it. It depends upon the type of procrastination because there's the classic, I've got fear, there's uncertainty, you know, I don't want to put forth the effort. There's lots of reasons for procrastination. But there's different techniques, like just purely scheduling a time to do something is, call, is setting what's called an implementation intention and saying, at this time, I will do this. An implementation intention is an if-then basic statement. And scheduling something is a time-based implementation intention, which research has shown makes you more likely to actually do it. Mm-hmm. So because what you're doing is you're creating this objective time trigger. You know, I said I was going to do something at 10 o'clock. It's 10 o'clock it's hard to tell myself now that I'm not going to do it because I previously committed to doing it at that time versus if you just say, I'm going to do this today. And you don't set a time, there's no objective trigger causing you to do it. You have to overcome that activation energy to do it. So there's specific techniques that can help with procrastination, but it is also a, a mind game, mind battle. There's, there's different techniques like jump starts you can use to get yourself into the space to beat procrastination, but sometimes procrastination just beats you.
0: But that's so, uh, kind of intuitively makes such great intuitive sense that if you say that you're going to do something at 10 o'clock rather than that you're going to do it today, there's a greater chance that you're going to get it done at 10 o'clock. I'm sure some people are pretty good at recognizing that if they don't, there may not be consequences beyond other ones if they don't do it today. But but I, I, I can see where it would work with a lot of people. Kind of two groups of people I'd like to ask you about just to kind of sum up some things. First of all, uh, while I hope this next question will become obsolete in the not-too-distant future, the fact is that there are a lot of people who are working from home nowadays with with COVID-19 pandemic, and I think it must make it more difficult to manage time in the home environment. I'm sure there are a lot of pluses that some people are finding by by working from home, but I would think that... um, you know, you don't have anybody particularly looking over you. You may have some meetings scheduled and you might have to be there. But are you finding that there's any uh, that, that there's specific new or different challenges for people who are working from home when they're not used to it?
1: Yeah, definitely. I think if you're used to a certain structure in a certain environment, working from home is going to be different. One thing is that, you know, you might have a different types of interruptions coming at you in a home versus work environment. So people who had a lot of interruptions at the office might find themselves more productive working at home. But people who, for instance, you know, have kids or a spouse or someone who's coming and needs their attention during the day might find their productivity dip working at home. And then you have the aspect of when you're working at an office, it's a very segregated uh, workday. So I have my home life. I go to work. I'm at work. I come home. And so there's this big, huge block of work. And maybe some people, unfortunately, now are like the work life bleeds into the the evening. But in general, it's a lot more segregated. At the work at home situation, now you really need to make the decision. Am I going to have a segregated workday or an integrated workday? What I mean by that is how are you going to integrate your personal and your work life? So some people really thrive by saying, I'm going to be at work at these hours, and then I'm off the clock. So even working at home, those people should say, I'm Going into my office or my workspace, whatever it is at 9, I don't work until 5, and then I'm done. And other than like meals and tiny breaks, I'm not going to do any personal stuff. Other people appreciate the benefit of working at home because they can do a more integrated life. They can go and, you know, quickly run to the doctors. They can go and do their exercise in the middle of the day instead of in the morning or in the afternoon or different things like that where they can integrate and flow throughout the day. And those people should recognize that. But then that adds the additional time management challenge. You wanna make sure that you're still getting enough work done while integrating in your personal time. So that just requires a little bit more planning under that structure.
0: So one of the things I'm hearing from you kind of over and over again is you kind of have to know yourself and be kind of mindful of what works for you as opposed to having, uh, while there are general principles that that probably apply to Uh, everybody that there are individual modifications that are going to work better for you depending on how well you know yourself which leads me to one of my final questions uh you know you have been a serial entrepreneur and while we do have a broad range of listeners some of them are entrepreneurs either by choice or again because of covid some people have been forced into uh, doing business for themselves are there particular challenges uh or from a time management standpoint, or lifestyle management standpoint, that somebody should be aware of if they're if if they want to be successful as an entrepreneur, assuming that their service or product is is good. But uh, just in terms of the, their personal lifestyles.
1: Yeah, one of the well, two different things as an entrepreneur is it's important to pay attention to your foundation, and what I mean by that is. It's very easy to pour yourself completely into your business, thinking, by pouring myself into my business, that's the most way to make it, make it successful. However, we need to continue to exercise, meditate, whatever you need to do to sustain your body and your, your, your thinking ability and your physical ability to be able to be effective. We tend to – our performance degrades before we recognize that has degrade. So if you're not taking enough rest periods, if you're not doing enough maintenance on yourself – you won't be an effective entrepreneur. So that's one thing that uh, people often fall in the trap of. Let me pour more energy into the business because I need to succeed. And then there's the second thing, which is balancing the long-term important things that are going to have a big impact on your business with the urgent. And I think in the beginning, it's very easy to fall into this. I'm just going to do urgent things and I need to do all these different things, reducing to what are the core things you need to do for your business and focusing on those And making sure that, yes, you're addressing some of the urgent things, but you're bringing in those important things that are going to give you success in the long term. If you don't address now are going to cause you problems three months, six months, 12 months down the road, you need to be doing those as well. And that's where having some sort of planning system that you're bringing in those important long-term impacts and not just reacting to the short-term needs is important.
0: So I guess the key word is balance, whether it's work-life balance or balance the activities in the, in the work situation uh, are the things that are more predictive of success than sometimes than, than what the, the product or, or the service is, although I'm sure everything is needed. You need to have a good product, good service, but you need to be a good self and good to yourself, it sounds like, uh, to really maximize your chances for success. So um, really a lot of tremendously interesting stuff, Trevor. I'm glad you shared it with us. It got a few uh, just off the wall kinds of questions. One, I mentioned, I mentioned that you uh, divide your time between Asheville, North Carolina, and Berlin, Germany. And while well, I've been to both places, not in recent decades, but I can understand the appeal of both places, I've known people and where I live in Philadelphia I know people who have a home at the shore so they go an hour and a half away or some uh spend the winters in in Florida which is a short plane ride away this seems like a long distance between your two places. how do you how do you manage to pull that off and how'd you decide on it how do you manage to pull it off
1: yeah so I decided on it uh, kind of fell into accidentally after I sold my last business, me and my partner did a tour around Europe. And the idea was, let's pick a city in Europe to spend the last three months there while I started my, my next business. And it turned out that city was Berlin. And I fell in love with the city because it has a huge mix of creativity and artists in the space, uh, has a lot of startups. It's still a very young city compared to many of the other cities like New York and San Francisco, where The rents inside the city have risen so much, they've driven a lot of the creatives to the edges of the city. And so there's really just this kind of tech or finance center to the city. So it was a very vibrant city. And I'm also a swing dancer, and Berlin has an amazing swing dance scene. So I kind of fell in love with the city. And then, yeah, there was the point of how do we make this work? Well, when we did our first trip, we rented our house um, for six months. And after that, because we live in Asheville and we've got a nice, uh, Asheville is a very in demand city. We've since found out that it's very easy to rent our house for three or six months as a furnished house for people who want to come here and explore Asheville, you know, and do all that. I think many people can do that. That more people can rent out their space for, on a temporary basis than believe they can. There's probably some places where no one wants to live. But a lot of times people like they just want to retreat, and so maybe they don't want an exciting city they just want to get away to a nice house there's the home away has all these house exchanges there's many different ways to do that, but yeah, we've structured it such that we can rent our house for three to five months a year, go off traveling, and then yeah, and then come back and resume our lives here
0: okay so we've our listeners are learning something beyond what the what the topic of the presentation was. Now, probably the most important question, even though most people will hear this as an audio version and don't see it, but any picture that I've seen of you and right now I see you wearing this black fedora uh, hat, uh, what's what's that all about?
1: Yeah, so that's become my personal brand. And... It was maybe 15 years ago. I I bought this hat in New Orleans a long time ago, and I decided to wear it to a networking event, and suddenly people started coming up to me. And I'm an introvert, so it was really good because people would come up and talk to me and ask me, what's about the hat? And then we'd start a whole conversation. And then I used to do a lot of networking in Raleigh and in Boston, living in Asheville. And so I would go to these conferences, and the hat helped me maintain a presence that I wouldn't have been able to maintain otherwise. So I would go to a conference, and when you're like one of the only people at a conference wearing a hat, everyone notices you. And so if I come back three months later or six months later, someone would be like, oh, didn't I see you last week? It's like, yeah, I haven't been in the city for like six months, but sure, you remember me because you remember the hat. So it was this great connection and part of branding. So I'm big on visual branding. I remember there was a group, an entrepreneur I went to in South Carolina, who the entire company wore bright orange sneakers. Don't remember the the company now, but if I ever go to a networking event where someone's wearing bright orange uh, sneakers, I'm going to go up and talk to them. It was a great way of branding themselves, making themselves stand out in a very distinctive way that now is going to create this connection going forward into the future.
0: That's wonderful. I, I, uh, I don't know if we've had a previous podcast episode with so many, uh, uh, with, with advice in so many other areas how, how to deal with being an introvert, how to uh, do branding uh, lots of stuff in addition to what I thought we were going to talk about so uh, uh, really grateful but probably the really the non uh, the non-humorous most important question that I'm going to ask is how do people find out about your thinking how do they get in touch with you what products or services do you have we'll have that in the show notes too but let's let's get it on on the podcast
1: yeah so uh people can find out about day optimizer my time management web app at dayoptimizer.com and you can spell that with a z or an s depending upon if you're english or uh, american (laughs) and then we're on all the socials at day optimizer except for twitter which is day optimizer app and then me personally my branding throughout the internet is fast fedora so like the hat and so i'm at fastfedora.com fastfedora on twitter Etc. So uh, if you want to find me personally, just look for Fast Fedora.
0: Okay. So it's Fast Fedora and Day Optimizer, which is your system, which ultimately is where people can learn about your system and time management. I in, in that regard. Okay. Well, again, uh, we'll have it in the show notes. I am so grateful for your spending the time with me and sharing your ideas with my audience. Uh, it's been tons of practical advice and For many of us, it may be the wake-up call to be mindful about some of the things that we can do to not complain about being overloaded or running out of time, but rather let us manage time rather than letting it manage us. Great advice, Trevor. Thanks very much, and uh, best of luck to you as we move forward. I appreciate all the advice you've, you've given us in all the different areas. So this has been Rejuvenaging with Dr. Ron Kaiser, the podcast designed to help you live your life enthusiastically, no matter how long you live. And now we can lead it a little more efficiently, too, with some time management techniques. Hope you'll visit our website, The Mental Health Gym, where you can learn about all things related to positive psychology and wellness and even suggest ideas for upcoming podcast uh, interviewees. Again, my book is Rejuvenating the Art and Science of Growing Older with Enthusiasm, available in all its various formats on Amazon. And you will download our podcasts, rate them, listen to them, tell your friends about them, and be back next week for our next interesting guest. Thanks again, Trevor. it's Dr. Ron Kaiser now signing out. Everybody stay safe and stay enthusiastic. Thank you.